welcome to the Ragged Scratch podcast, the new writing night in podcast form. I'm your host, Natalie, and thanks for joining us once again as we open our chocolate box of mini audio goodies for two pieces of new writing audio. Later in the show, I talk to writer Ayad Andrews about his experiences on the BBC Writers' Room Drama Room scheme, and we hear his marital revelation play, I Confess. First, let's let it all loose and misbehave. A lonely woman decides to take a dip in her local river and rediscovers a long, hidden wild side in Sean Rowland's Something Wild. Directed by Natalie Barron, edit and sound design by Jigisha, with a performance by Bethan Dixon-Bate. My daughter's been telling me what to do as soon as the first word left her tiny mouth. No! I learned very early on that to defy her was to incite a volcanic tantrum, or worse, tears. No, Mummy! Stop, Mummy! Don't, Mummy! On the phone now, I say, of course, darling. I promise I won't swim in the river. It was just a silly thought. Senior moment. She reminds me that there's no one at home who'll raise the alarm if I don't return. That to take such a risk would be foolish, and actually, rather selfish. I humbly agree. And when are you and the boys coming to visit? Oh, Mum, not this again. You know we're not allowed. Even though my Facebook is full of happy reunited families having picnics and sitting on garden chairs or strolling on empty beaches. Socially responsible selfies. Of course, darling, I say. It's best to be cautious. I'm done with being cautious. They call it wild swimming now, although when I was a kid, we just called it swimming. No tame swimming in antiseptic pools for us. We'd splash about in any old river, lake or pond, swallowing pints of filthy green water. We'd dive to the bottom to bring up treasures of stones and newts and corroded farthings dropped by long-ago women in long dresses and parasols. No one lets their kids swim in the wild water anymore, and the surfaces remain calm, unbroken save for the occasional plop of a small fish or a family of swans sailing majestically by. That first day I just paddle, roll up my trousers and dip my toes in the icy water. I expect to hear an, oi, you can't do that, from behind me at any second, but there's no one. Too busy staying inside on their computers and tablets or shouting at the telly. That green river smell fills my senses and something grows in me. Something long buried. Something wild. I'm alone. No one telling me what to do or how I should do it. No daughter, husband or boss to call me back to the kitchen or the office. The next time I visit the river, I'm ready. Cosy under my clothes, rolled up towel under my arm, crocs on my feet. Good grief, Mum! What the hell are those? Asks my daughter when I first bring them home from the charity shop. 50p well spent? They're comfy, I say. Embarrassing, she replies. Eyes rolling so hard I worry she'll burst something. Of course, darling, I say, and wear them to the supermarket, where no one so much as glances at me, let alone judges my feet. And now, as the mud of the riverbank squelches, I know they'll protect my soft indoor soles from sharp stones that my younger, tougher child self wouldn't have noticed. The cool of the water grows and flowers up my body until the skin is plucked and goosey, ready for immersion. 
I wade to the middle and stoop. The water rising up and over my shoulders, an icy embrace that makes me gasp and laugh, and I lie back, becoming one with the river. Small eddies swirling around my legs, toes poking the surface. The tickle of a weed, or is it a fish, caressing my skin as I float, float down the gentle green path. Not for me, the strong, overarm crawl of the rosy-cheeked women with sturdy thighs and rubber caps who swim at dawn. I allow the river to engulf me. Limbs lightly carried, barely a sound. I am Ophelia, my hair the long flowing weed, and my palms turned skywards. Flowers tumbling from my fingers as the river carries my body. My ears bob under, then above the water, sound deadened and alive again. The sky is azure blue above me. A coot cries an alarm and scuttles across the surface as I float by. I'm a wild thing, a child of nature, a river creature born along with the current. I travel far and emerge from the water laughing and shaking myself like a dog. By the time I get back to the place I left my towel, my skin is warm and tingling. My forearm bears a faint river smell. I go back every day, regardless of the weather, and float under grey skies heavy with undropped rain, under paint box clouds and under crimson sunsets. The river knows my secret, but doesn't tell. Of course, darling. I say on the phone. I promise I won't swim in the river or do anything silly. Next week, I'm getting a tattoo. Wild flowers up the inside of my arm. I can't wait. My daughter will be furious. Hi, I'm Sean, Sean Rowland, and my pronouns are she and her. Thank you, Sean. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. So we've all just listened to something wild. We've all embraced the wonderful floating in the river moment. But is this indicative of the writer herself? Could you tell us a bit more about yourself and your writing background? Yes, of course. Um, so I came to writing a little bit later. Um, I had I was working. My background is in education. I've been a uh, primary school deputy head for many years, and a local authority education advisor. My job was uh, deleted, as they put it, about 10, 10 years ago. So I decided to turn freelance. And at the time, I had quite a lot of feelings about a some situations that were, that were happening sort of nationally. Mm -hmm. um, so I started writing a blog. And through, through the blog, I found that I had, I had a voice and I wanted to write more. And one summer, we weren't going on holiday and I decided to write something a little bit longer. So I call myself the accidental playwright mm -hmm. because it accidentally turned into a play. It wasn't exactly what I had in mind when I started writing. But here we are several years later and I absolutely love writing plays. Brilliant. So you, you had no intention of writing fiction, but it happened through your blog. So have you just written plays or have you written other forms of literature as well? Yeah, I've, I've always been a sort of aspirational writer. I've always enjoyed writing, but I think it took me quite a long time to find my thing. 
and to find my voice as a writer. So I do still really, really enjoy writing nonfiction. So I write articles, I write blog posts, um, I write a lot of educational stuff. But then the sort of flip side is getting into the creative stuff where your mind can just go wild and, and create characters and create scenes and dialogue. And I absolutely love that. Okay, so coming back to something wild, mm. the language in it, the way that you've written it does feel quite literary. It feels like it could be uh, a part of an audio book, although it does work very well for our purposes as a short play as well, like a monologue mm -hmm. style thing. Is this a this, this style, is that what you're particularly comfortable in or does it change when you write conversational dialogue? Yeah, no, the, the, This my style tends to change um, with everything I write. So this was intentionally quite sort of, I, I wanted it to be lyrical. Mm. Um, so that you get the flow of the river and the flow of the of the water that comes through the writing as well. So that was quite important to me. And I think also when, when you're writing a monologue, you, you've got to have something that, that really captures the listener or the reader's attention. Whereas with dialogue, it's easier to go back and forth. Mm. So for example, I just, I've just written a full length play in lockdown. And, um, and it opens with a scene between two educational professionals and they're talking about sex education. Mm -hmm. So that is like a completely, completely different style, a different, a different way of talking, uh, certainly different words. <laughs> um, so I, I love playing with style and format. A short play I wrote earlier this year, I wanted to take that, that lyrical idea even further. So that has almost sort of loose rhyme. So, so it has a, a rhythm and a sort of spoken word um, feel to it. So but, but that's, that for me is the joy of, of writing and the joy of words. You can create rhythms and sounds and tempos and dynamics with, with just written word. Yeah, well, that's really interesting. Bit of a bonus question. Did you have a piece of music or a song in mind when you were writing this piece? Yes, it's uh, a song called The River by a group called Ebay. They're two Afro-French Cuban twins and I just love the sound of their music and it's very sort of rhythmical and this just just fitted absolutely perfectly. I'll have to look that up and uh, have a little listen later because I've never heard of them before. So there's also there is a brief reference to the pandemic and the lockdown at the start of the piece, which suggests that Anne's frustration and urges to run wild could stem from that situation but they could also just as easily be born out of being an underappreciated and undermined older woman mm -hmm. wanting to have her moment again. Was this play inspired by lockdown or did you have the idea beforehand and tweaked it to add the reference? No, totally inspired by lockdown. I looked up the date that I, that I started writing it and it was in August. And I just, I think I've, I've been going on lots of walks this year mm. and I think the walking has been quite freeing and the, the idea just popped into my head one day and it was it was one of those very rare things where I literally had to run downstairs and open up my laptop and start writing before the idea went away and I just wrote and wrote and, and she was she was just instant and she was she was there and the story was there. It's funny isn't it I think there's I, I personally know a lot of people that have really found refuge in uh, in walking and rambling during this time I mean to start with because it, that's maybe the only exercise they could do because they couldn't go to the gym or whatever and I I was very lucky at the we, we've moved house since but at the start of lockdown um 
we lived around the corner from a corner of Epping Forest. Beautiful. So I did have a few days where I was able to just like mm. stick a podcast on, go for a walk and just kind of be in the woods. And there's something so wonderful about just connecting when, when all seems unmanageable, just kind of being in nature like that is just wonderful so yeah, absolutely I and I, I think that's why I wanted um I wanted the character in, in uh, something wild to actually become part of nature to actually you know almost like become one with with the uh, with the river so that that's very much inspired mm. by um by my walks by rivers yeah a friend of mine Gwen Watson uh, does a podcast called write up my podcast where every week they they look at a different self-care technique or experience they could do and one of the uh, the episodes right at the start was the Japanese art of shinrin yoku or forest bathing oh, which is yes. literally that so uh shout out to Gwen go listen to that podcast as well everyone I will yeah definitely <laughs> well thank you so much Sean uh, where can we where can we find you online yeah so on social I'm quite active on social media on Twitter and Instagram I'm Sean underscore Roland so particularly on Instagram, um, I take photographs of all my walks. So there'll be lots of photographs of walks I've done through the whole year. If you if you want to get to know South London and the surrounding area a little bit better, they're there. Been saying this to all the writers, like no pressure. If the answer is no, because all of this going on and it's quite difficult to get things going at the moment but do you have anything coming up that you'd like to plug i have at the moment uh, it's interesting you were talking about epping forest because there's a fantastic amateur dramatic group in loughton um, who have just recorded a play that i wrote about the four daughters of the last Tsar of russia so that yes that's available i've put a link on my instagram page great and if you give me the link to that as well i'll make sure it's in the show notes so people can oh, go and find amazing. it amazing amazing great thank you so much fun <laughs> thank you and thank you sean natalie jigisha and bethan for your work on something wild and as i said in the interview with sean there i've popped a link to write up my podcast in the show notes along with this week's shout outs speaking of Bethan Dixon-Bate, who you just heard as Anne, has been shortlisted in the 2020 Society of Voice Arts and Sciences Awards in the animation category for her role as the narrator in The Curious Child. You can watch the short animation on YouTube and the awards will be taking place on Sunday the 20th of December, so good luck, Bethan. Something Wild director Natalie Barron has been making the most of lockdown with audiobook releases and roles in radio drama podcasts, including Y2K audio drama, The Haunting of Celine, and taking control of the pink phoenix power as Cat in Power Rangers the audio drama. From our second play today, sound designer Max Hockrad of Parsec Productions co-produced feature-length audio drama Dilation alongside B7 Media, who I gave a cheeky shout-out to last week as well. Dilation was released last year and is purchasable via Audible, Apple Books or on the B7 Media website. That's b7media.com forward slash project forward slash dilation. You can also find more info at Parsec Productions website, par-sec.com. Director Sivan Raz is producing the new audio drama series, A Voice, coming soon to a podcast stream near you. Eve hears the voice of an angel, claiming she is the key for fixing the world. But is it wise to trust a voice? 
Follow at A Voice Podcast on Twitter and Instagram for more news when it hits. Returning Ragged Scratch podcast actor John Grayson has recorded a commercial for In the Night Garden, promoting one of their toy lines. It's filmed like an episode and is adorable, and you can watch that on YouTube. And finally, for those who like their fiction podcasts with a side order of dice rolls, Merely Roleplayers is in full swing of their latest season, Vigil. In a world where monsters, demons and the supernatural exist, but most of humanity forgets due to a phenomenon known as the omission effect, government budget cuts mean that the protection of the small market town of Sherrydown is left to an unlikely collective of heroes. Played using the Monster of the Week game engine, think of it as a very British Buffy the Vampire Slayer story. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or at millyroleplayers.com. Our second play today is I Confess by writer Ayed Andrews. As part of a renewal of their wedding vows, Richard and Wendy decide to visit their local church's confessional. However, the subsequent revelations have unexpected and devastating consequences. I Confess was directed by Sivan Raz, edit and sound design by Max Hockrad, Father Toby is played by Benjamin Hines, Richard is played by John Grayson, and Wendy is played by Sarah Jane Vincent. We're almost there. That's fine, Father. I don't have to go back to the office for a bit. How long will this take? Well, there's no limit on our time together. Sorry. Well, I'm sure you're very busy and, you know, money never sleeps. Money never sleeps? What a dreadful thought. (laughs) Apart from seeing your wife later, my diary is free. Is this a bad time? Yes. No. Oh, let's just do this. Can we go to silent? If we have to. Please, after you, Mr Grant. (laughs) In here? Yes, this is our reconciliation room. Choose either seat, Mrs. Grant, or, if you prefer privacy, we can make use of the opaque screen. (laughs) Wendy's fine. Oh, things have changed. I was expecting, you know, like a wooden box, man in a cassock on one side, wayward sinner on the other, (laughs) separated by grill. You know, Dave Allen. The church has moved on. The previous way had... Unintended connotations. Darkness. Secrecy. Plus, now there's room for a kettle and biscuits. (laughs) (laughs) I'm old enough to remember how it used to be. Dragged to confession before taking the Eucharist. I always saw it like going to the dentist. Something that usually led to a painful extraction. Something rotting inside you that needs removing. (laughs) Father Toby, spiritual dentist. (laughs) I'll have to change my business cards. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Earlier on, your husband mentioned... Dave Dave Allen. I'm sorry, who's that? The comedian on TV. Irish chap, you know, uh, sat on a stool telling jokes. 
Missing Finger, Glass of Scotch. I'm not familiar with his work. Probably well before your time. 1960s, 70s. He was always doing sketches set in church. Maybe I'll look him up on YouTube. Is he funny? Well, (laughs) it was a bit risque for my parents, (laughs) but, well, you know, tastes change. (laughs) I'm sure I can handle a little risque. (laughs) So, face to face or behind the screen? But you'll know it's me, though. Behind the screen? Some people find that they can speak more freely when there are no eyes upon them. We're here to shine a light on the sin, not the sinner. What if I haven't committed any sins? Well, then you must go home immediately. Really? Of course, to await delivery of your canonization papers. I'm afraid I did. It's a bit of a rehearsed joke now, but it usually breaks any tension. And your husband seemed... That's funny. No, I'm happy to sit. So, how do we begin? Well, first we make the sign of the cross, and if it helps, then you can use these words. I'll need my readers. Oh, you... Dropped something. Oh, my eye drops. (laughs) Don't get old, Father. Right. uh, Bless Bless me, Father, Father, for I I have have sinned. sinned. This is my first confession. My last confession was... Oh, oh, I'm not sure. (laughs) Definitely years. (laughs) Sorry. That's fine. God is always here for you patiently waiting for your return. I once trained to be a counsellor. Well, an evening class. Friends always told me I was a good listener, so I thought, once the kids were gone, why not? But when I was there, listening to the other students, I couldn't stop myself from judging them, telling them what to do. Don't think of this as counselling, Wendy. I'm here to facilitate healing, to be a conduit for his word. There's no judgment. But you must hear some awful things. Sin has no way to be absolved. But the sinner, if genuine in their remorse, will always be forgiven. Let's make a start, shall we? I'm not sure I know how. Maybe... Get the largest sins off your shoulder first. Go big or go home, eh? Well, you know why I'm here. So there's that. I'm not here to pry, but I'll need you to elaborate. I cheated on my wife, on Wendy. Go on. Do you want days, times? How long did this go on for? You know, we live a nice life. I've given my family a home, two homes... Private education, new cars, holidays, whenever we want. Those things don't come cheap. I'm starting to hear a justification. What? Own the sin. Don't excuse it. I'm not. This isn't easy for me, Father. Good. We went to couples therapy. And I thought, does he really want this? Do I? What am I trying to save? 
Well, it all seemed to go really well. We even started doing things together again. I stopped seeing Daniel. Oh, sorry. <laughs> There's my sin, I guess. Can't even say I enjoyed it. Aren't sins supposed to be pleasurable? Mine was more out of spite. Maybe that's the sin. I can't condone the action or the intent, Wendy. I understand the need, though. Anyway, when the therapist suggested renewing our vows, <laughs> Richard was all gung-ho about it. Our kids could be there. We could invite all the friends we'd made since we originally got married. Have a big party. Show off. The therapist said we could wipe the slate clean. Richard really liked that idea. I insisted we both do this, though. This was my one condition. How do you feel about your husband? I know what I know, and I can handle that. But I wonder about what I don't know. It feels good to offload. I feel lighter. I didn't expect that. I didn't have this feeling during therapy. Well, that's good. If you mean it's been a burden to you by holding on to it. Wipe the slate clean. That's what the therapist said. But it's more like emptying a heavy bag. Something that's been weighing you down. I have a lawyer for my businesses and we have an understanding. He doesn't discuss our transactions or methods or the types of things we trade in. So is that what this is? Client, attorney, doctor, patient? <laughs> the seal of confession does not permit me to reveal what we speak of today. To no one? The law? Not even Wendy? Not without the threat of excommunication. But Richard... Listen to me. We can empty the bag, as you put it, but not so as you feel you can leave this room and just fill it back up again. Father, I've done so much. I feel like I should have more to tell you. <laughs> I've only been in here, what, ten minutes? How long did you spend with Richard? That wouldn't be appropriate to reveal. Because we were supposed to meet at three. And it's, well, it's almost... Mrs Grant. Oh, formal names. <laughs> Being told off. <laughs> Sorry. You know I can't divulge any of what was said. There was a phrase someone used on the counselling course. The best indicator of future behaviour is... Is past behaviour, yes. I've heard that. Knowing what you know about people, and I'm not talking about Richard here, do you think that's true? Yes. Yes, I do think you're talking about Richard. So I have no answer for you. You could really hurt me. You know that, with what I've told you. I guess it's all a leap of faith, isn't it? Marriage, money, God.
You know, I'm looking forward to this wedding. The Lord has put away your sin. Go in peace and pray for me, a sinner also. Thank, Thank you, you, Father. Father. Sorry about the distance. Wasn't sure you'd come. Well, this may be some way out of my parish, but you're still one of my parishioners. <laughs> Can't imagine you visit many of them in prison. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit of a first. <laughs> One more thing off the bucket list. Do you remember when I said that I wished I had more to tell you? This is hardly the most private place to hear confession, Wendy. No. I don't want you to use the seal of confession. I want you to hear this, Father. I... I don't understand. When you were there, in that room with him, for so long, I knew. Wendy, I should advise you that I can't... Tetrahydrosaline. It's a slow-acting poison. <laughs> really slow, if you administer it carefully. You pleaded not guilty. It's used in eye drops. Why are you telling me this? During confession, you said it's God that speaks through you. Uh, I ask for his help before I take confession to, to help guide me. Then, whatever you decide, if you tell the police or keep it to yourself, I'll know it wasn't you. That it was God's choice. Why did you come? To confession? What were you after? <laughs> Father, I have sinned, haven't I? My name's Ayad Andrews, he, him. Hi, Ayad. Thank you for being part of the Ragged Scratch podcast. Oh, no, thank you for inviting me. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your writing background for those who don't know you? Mm, sure. I was uh, actually born in the Middle East. I'm from uh, Iraq. I lived here since the early 1970s. I've been writing maybe kind of seriously for about 10 years. Funnily enough, I kind of started on a television direction that's what I thought I wanted to do and then I got onto a theatre playwriting course with no real intention of, of writing for the theatre I didn't I didn't quite understand how you wrote for the theatre but I kind of understood weirdly how you wrote for television hmm. but I thought I should try and expand my skill set with no like I say intention to follow that path and then absolutely fell in love with the theatre and and with playwriting and so what happened was I started pursuing writing for theatre more and then 
there's a thing called the BBC Writers Room, mm-hmm. um, and they run a scheme every year. They run a drama room and a comedy room scheme. And I'd written a, a full-length play. I thought, well, I'll, I'll send it in to the to the writers' room. It's a play they they read different kinds of material. It doesn't have to be a TV script. You send them, and I, and so I sent them in the play, and was delighted to get chosen to be part of the scheme. And that's actually now just ended. But I thought, well, you know, how funny that I wanted to write for television couldn't really break through, started writing for theatre, and it's brought me back towards television. And, and actually, I think dabbling in each of those areas really helps you as a writer in lots of different ways. So you'll learn a lot by writing plays that will help you in television and vice versa. So of all the things that you have written, are there any that stand out to you as a favourite? Probably the play that I've written, which um, has got me as a finalist in this year's Theatre 503 um, playwriting prize. Yeah, thank you. I've uh, only just heard about that. I'd like to go back and uh, you mentioned before you participated in the BBC Writers' Room scheme. So it's finished now. I was wondering, are you allowed to talk about the application process for it at all? Because I'm sure there's writers listening to this who would love to participate themselves and, yeah. and would be keen to hear any tips you have. Yeah, I mean... I would say uh, it was a great experience. Uh, it lasts about a year. I know that they get usually about a good three and a half thousand entries. Gosh. From that, they choose. It's around about 15, I think about 12 to 15 people uh, that get selected. So you send a script. You're left to wait for quite an amount of time. So from memory, I didn't hear anything uh, for a good six or seven months. And then I got an email to say, uh, congratulations, you've got through to a quite advanced stage. And then I think it was the next time you'll hear from us, it, it either will invite you in for an interview or will say, congratulations on getting this far. And luckily for me, the next email was, okay, we're going to invite you in for an interview. I met a couple of people there um, who run the, the writer's room course. And it was it was a very nice sort of casual chat. It wasn't formal in any way. Actually, they, they try and make you very at ease and, and comfortable. Mm. And it turns into a nice conversation. I would say to anyone who, who gets to that stage, what they want from somebody is someone with an opinion. Mm-hmm. So they want to know that you're interested in the in the arena that they're offering to help you with so in that instance obviously it was tv drama so they do expect that you know what tv drama is at the moment you know what's been out you know what might have been on in the last year two years three years five years and that you can speak about it i think going in there and trying to blag it is is a bad idea because because what they're looking for is is honesty authenticity they don't mind i mean i had a disagreement in with them about a particular drama that they mentioned, mm. which was a big hit for them. And I wasn't a big fan of. And that's cool that they don't have a problem with that, but they want to know why you don't like it. Mm. I think that's some really good advice. So thank you for that. Um, I'd like to talk about I Confess. There's some lovely moments of lightness and relief in it, but it does get extremely dark 
It touches on sin, absolution, belief in the will of God and, and so on. Was there any particular story, any anything real or fictional that inspired you to write this at all? There was a couple of things, actually. I was last year I was working in a cathedral and uh, I was speaking to a friend of mine there, Carolyn, and she told me about they would get couples who would want to uh, renew their wedding vows. But as part of that renewal, they wanted to actually have confession as a way, say, to some degree, wipe the slate clean and mm -hmm. sense of starting again, almost afresh. And I thought, oh, well, that's, that's really interesting. I don't think I've seen that tackled in a drama before. And then, and this actually only occurred to me as I was listening to the actors do the, do the rehearsal recently, is that actually, I think I had taken inspiration from my favourite television drama, which is The Sopranos. Mm -hmm. And in The Sopranos, you have the wife, Carmela, and her husband is Tony, the, the mafia boss. Well, Carmela kind of knows how terrible Tony is, and he does some awful things. And early on, I know in The Sopranos, there were moments where she struggled with whether she could come to terms with what her life really was. And I thought, well, this is kind of that scenario. The character of, of Wendy kind of knows there's something wrong, majorly wrong in her life and in her relationship with Richard. And Richard, however, is kind of emboldened by this sense of kind of getting things off his chest. Hmm. Well, thank you ever so much, Ayad. Do you have a, an online presence? Are you on social media? Do you have a website? If we wanted to learn more about you, where could we go? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm on Twitter and it's at Ayad Andrews. Do you have anything else coming up? I know, obviously, pandemic, uh, but uh, did you have anything else coming up that you'd like to give a shout out to or plug? Obviously, I'm kind of crossing my fingers for the, the 503, Theatre 503. Mm. So I'm um, like I said, I'm a finalist. I'm in the final five. So I'm hoping that that will come off. If if the winner is guaranteed a, um, a production, hopefully next year at Theatre Five Four Three. But there's a chance that the finalists as well will get a production next year. So I would say, you know, um, hopefully uh, I might be able to have uh, have the play on. Well, fingers crossed. Thank you. And uh, yeah, let us know, and um, and we'll tell everyone sure. about it. Thank you so much, Ayad. Thanks very much, Natalie. So sadly, Ayad Andrews didn't win the Theatre 503 prize he spoke about in his interview there, but his play Terp has been optioned, so fingers crossed the stars align to bring it to the stage. He also wanted me to let you know that the BBC Writers' Room Drama Room scheme opens up applications again on the 7th of December until the 6th of January, so drama writers do put that in your diary and get submitting. Details are in the show notes. Thank you once again to Ayad, Sivan, Max, Benjamin, John and Sarah, as well as all of the creatives involved in this episode. We'll be back again next week with another two short audio plays. The Ragged Scratch podcast brought to you by Ragged Falls Productions was produced and hosted by Natalie Winter. Play edits by Jigisha and Max Hockrad. Episode edits by Natalie Winter. The Ragged Scratch podcast theme music was composed by Alex Jones. You can find us online at Ragged Foils across Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, where we've been tagging this week's creative so you can find out more about them and their work. If you've enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next week, nation on coffee.com forward slash Ragged Foils. All donations will go back into making the podcast as best we can. <laughs>